Welcome to the Restore Ministries Australia podcast, where we desire to connect you with people, teaching, encouragement and resources that will see you and those around you restored to true humanity. Join us as we seek to help you apply the grace of God onto the details of your life. Well, welcome to the Restore Ministries podcast. My name is uh, Peter Sondergill. I'm one of the directors of Restore Ministries and uh, so good to have you with us. Today we've got Tim Lane with us all the way from the United States. Good morning, Tim. Good morning. Yeah, it's more like evening here. (laughs) Of course it is, mate. Uh, Thanks for joining us today, mate. Can you just tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Uh, Tell us about your family, uh, what you do, a little bit of your background. Just help us uh, Mm -hmm. to get clued in a little bit to, uh, to who you are. Yeah, I'll start with the the more important stuff. So um, I've been married uh, 32 years as of August 12th this year, just a few weeks ago. Barbara and I celebrated our 32nd anniversary. And we've known one another for probably 35, 36 years, but uh, married 32 years. I have four grown children from 30 down to 24. Uh, My two oldest are married and my oldest, who is uh, my daughter, Hannah, is married and has two son so i have two grandsons so yeah. that that's the big stuff that's the most important stuff yeah yeah it is what do the grandsons call you what's what's your name they call me papa nice yeah so uh one one is uh, a little over four and the other one's almost two and then uh, just in terms of uh ministry i uh i became a christian in 1979 which is decades ago um <laughs> over 40 years ago mm. And um, did uh, went to college, uh, did campus ministry on a major university campus in the South. Uh, and after that, I went to Westminster Theological Seminary, um, 1987 to 91. Uh, pa- I helped pastor and then pastored a church for 10 years, 1991 to 2001. And then from 2001 to 2013, 14, I taught in a seminary context where we helped pastors Think about more counseling-related issues, mm. uh, which is something that pastors are often not trained in or skilled at. Yeah. So we had an opportunity to help them. Uh, and then in 2014, moved to back to the uh, Atlanta, Georgia area, where I'm located now. And I started a nonprofit, Institute for Pastoral Care, where I really go in and I help equip churches to think about how do they care for their people well mm. and what role they play. But uh, uh, in addition to that, I started a counseling practice, Tim Lane and Associates, and I actually do a lot of counseling individuals, lots of marriage counseling. Uh, I have an office in uh, Peachtree City, Georgia, which is south of the Atlanta airport. And uh, just this past year, I added an associate who's working with me. And uh, my goal is to try to build the practice so that we're, we're really kind of more in a more... Uh, indirect way helping churches and then directly through the institute going in and training and equipping pastors and elders and small group leaders so uh, i love what i do i'm doing yeah yeah it sounds like you got your hands full you know i'm very Mm -hmm. fortunate Mm -hmm. and very thankful that god is is uh blessing the work i'm doing and and i'm getting to use the gifts and also the experience that he's given me good good times and hard times that he's using yeah as i work with people yeah, so good, so good. Well, it's great that you're, uh, you've made yourself available for us to have this conversation today. We're uh, doing a uh, podcast season on identity and a whole bunch of different 
thoughts around that, uh, the things that threaten our sense of who God's made us to be, how do we live into who God's made us to be. And one of the, uh, one of the things we're really keen to explore today is just how personality tests and psychometric tests, which, um, I mean, you and I have, uh, have done a bit of that together. And right. when I say that, you've, you've, I've done a psychometric test and you've given the, re- the results to me on that and also to some of my staff and found it really, really helpful. Can you just kind of kick us off in this whole uh, topic of uh, personality and psychometric testing and identity? Can you tell us a little bit about personality tests, psychometric tests? What are they? How do they work? Lay the groundwork for us today. Yeah, so the whole idea of personality really goes back, as far as we know, back to Hippocrates and uh, just the, the, uh, the four basic personality types that he identified. And it has to do with extroversion, introversion, task orientation, people mm. orientation, those kind of four, uh, four basic building blocks for personality were identified by Hippocrates. So that, that goes way back. And then from there, there's just been an ongoing development and research into personality and um, a lot of uh, personality tests that uh, some are are better researched and and evaluated in terms of their accuracy. But um, many people, I think, listening to this may have taken something like the DISC or the Myers-Briggs. Those are very popular uh, assessments. I don't know if there's one in Australia that your listeners would be more familiar with, but uh, you know, and and then it's just picked up more and more, particularly in organizational management and how teams work together, understanding personalities, how we perceive one another, how we react differently in similar situations, and so these personality tests have just kind of emerged out of that need to to help us as human beings uh, work yeah. better together. Yeah. Why don't you just tell everyone the one, the, the test that, that you've used for uh, myself and some other pastoral staff in the project and why do you like that one? Why, why yeah. do you think that one's helpful? Well, and let me say this too. The, the way I think about personality assessments is they're really trying to tap into Real, a, a lot of uh, brain strengths and, and how yeah. we interpret reality, how we interact with our world, how we interact with other people. And I, I kind of think of them as uh, trying to get a, a, a grip of, of who we are through the lens of creation. So, you know, okay. how, how, yeah. have we been, how have we been hardwired by God, our DNA? And uh, that has a lot to do with brain science that's, you know, emerging more and more. But the one that um, that I've come to use a great deal is one called the Berkman method. And it was developed uh, as early back as the, the 1950s and 60s by a gentleman by the name of Roger Berkman. And um, he was a World War II pilot, uh, was shot down over Belgium, rescued by the Allied forces, but a, a, an observer of people as a pilot. And he came back to uh, the States and did a PhD in positive social psychology at the University of Texas in Austin. Mm. And his goal, he came from a long line of Lutheran ministers. So he had a social service bent. Mm. And uh, the way that he did it was not through being a pastor, but by developing this instrument that could help you evaluate yourself and understand yourself better, but also how you can better understand others 
and how oftentimes we're different from one another. Uh, so it was, mm-hmm. it was really the, you know, the early stages of what we now know as emotional intelligence. So mm-hmm. self-awareness and self-management, other awareness and other management. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. I mean, we've, we have found it really helpful. I think the, the, the most powerful part of it, I think, is uh, the intersection between different people's results uh, in, this, in the same organization in, in yeah. terms of how to work together. Yeah, and you're able to, in this assessment, you're able to put all of you guys on the staff there on a map and kind of see mm-hmm. where you're similar and where you're different. And that just, uh, what I think that does is if we can do that soon enough, sometimes it can prevent us from, in our circles, particularly in church context, you know, immediately kind of going on a sin hunt, you know, you know or a yeah. character flaw in another yeah. person, when in essence, it may just be a difference, you know, a difference yeah. of perception and perspective. Uh, that if we don't manage that well, then it gets into sinful responses and conflict, and it can create a lot of a lot of mayhem in organizations. Yeah. And and I've just been a part of church staff and organizational staff where I see a lot of that happening. And uh, mm-hmm. to be able to have an instrument like that and in, and to engender goodwill and charity amongst people early on enables them to navigate those times when they are on different pages to better understand each other and have charitable conversations and and empathy for one another. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of things in the world that we receive as personal and mm. they're not really personal. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I think about that with uh with my kids it just gets so complicated when when you hear things as being a personal thing that aren't necessarily a personal thing it just makes it much more intense and difficult Um, and certainly the case in in the church um, and in organizations where you do have those differences and there's a tendency to kind of make it personal when it's not personal and then all of a sudden it's it's way more gnarly and complicated than what it necessarily needs to be yeah exactly and then you get hurt feelings and then yeah. People digging in and defensiveness and criticism and, and, and you're off to the races, you know, and, and it's, it, it, it happens so <laughs> yeah. easily. You know, and, and I, I actually use the, uh, the Bertman with uh, couples that I'm counseling to help husbands and wives understand their personalities oh, and how yeah. they're just different. You know, a, mm. a lot of our problems in marriages are connected to the fact that we're different. What, what's yeah. interesting is that's oftentimes what attracts us to one another. You know, yeah, yeah. we get we're attracted yeah. to, to someone because they're different than us. They draw something out in us that we're not uh, used to. And uh, but then you you get married. and You're like, oh, I, I, now I have to live with this. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and how do we how do we navigate marriage life, given the fact that we're two very different people oftentimes in different mm. ways? So. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, the old line opposites attract. I remember seeing it as a young guy opposites attack as well yes. <laughs> it, it can go both ways that's right yeah yeah hey take us a little bit more down the track of uh the helpfulness of personality tests psychometric assess assessments yeah. uh give us some more D- just flesh that out a little bit more for us what yeah what, what's good about them what, what, what's helpful about them well when you think about what they're measuring it starts to become obvious so like the berkman method that i use measures uh, a lot of different things. One, they measure interests, things that you enjoy doing mm. that uh, energize you. And, and these are 
things that you want to be aware of because you want to make sure they're, they're in your life. But then they also measure the ways that we interact with our world and with one another. And uh, there, there are, there's something called the five factor model ocean that measures five basic kind of personality traits. Uh, so openness, that's our, our willingness to uh, engage with change in our environment. Um, conscientiousness is, you know, how organized or not we are. Extroversion, which is measuring our sociability. Um, agreeableness is measuring, you know, how much of a people pleaser are we? Are we pleasing and agreeable? Uh, and then uh, the N in ocean is neuroticism. How stable are we emotionally? Those are the, mm. those are the, that's the five factor model that pretty much all personality assessments are based on. Yeah. And, and sometimes they may come up with different, a different number of measurements, but the Berkman breaks that down into nine things that it's measuring. So um, our social in, uh, energy our physical energy, emotional energy, uh, self-consciousness. Th these are the technical names for them. Assertiveness, assess, uh, insistence, incentives, restlessness, and thought. And when you break those down and, and define them in terms of what they're measuring, you can see how um, incredibly important they are for human interaction, mm. you know, particularly in the workplace. And knowing yourself is really important because now I know how I show up and sometimes I'm not self-aware. I don't know how I show mm. up and, mm. and we all bring strengths to the table and those strengths can be really, really good, but sometimes too much of a good thing can be not yeah. so much of a good thing, mm. you know? So I'm, I'm more, uh, I have a lot of social energy. So I show up, I'm very warm and agreeable and, and that can be a very, very useful thing, but sometimes I need to, I need to dial that back. Mm -hmm. So if I'm counseling a couple or an individual, you know, I don't need to try to turn on my social energy uh, and, and just fill the room with my talking. Yeah, yeah. I need to, I need to dial that back and I need to listen better mm -hmm. and to be more quiet and to be aware of just that in and of itself is very mm. important. You know, I, I make decisions. I'm very decisive. That can be a really good strength in certain situations, but in other situations, it might, it might not be a good thing. Mm. I might be rushing and, and pushing people too quickly. And then understanding that other people come about making decisions or, or show up different socially than me. So, you know, when you think about the practical things that it's measuring, it just starts to become uh, immediately apparent uh, how helpful this can be in just understanding yourself and understanding other people and realizing that, you know, many, many times we're just different. I would agree with uh, your assessments on a personal level. I mean, mm -hmm. that's, that's how it's been. That's how it's worked for me uh, in the church here is... Uh, in particular, I think the things that have been really, really helpful about it is seeing the areas that are that are weak in me naturally mm -hmm. that other people need to be stronger. That, that they need me to be stronger yeah. in those particular areas for them to be able to operate well. 
that's been a, a good challenge for me is like my natural kind of style might be weaker in a particular area. Yeah. And I, I just go, well, in order for people to be clear about what they're doing and, and, uh, and know what they're supposed to be up to, I need to be um, leaning into that a little bit mm-hmm. more in order yeah. to be able to help them. So it's been hugely helpful like that. Yeah. Well, and it also shows you how you need all types of people in order for an organization to flourish. Yeah, You know, and I, I have a tendency to think, well, if everybody was wired like me, what an amazing place this would be. be awesome, right? wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and unfortunately, there are a lot of people in the room that don't think that. And uh, yeah. you're not. If, and I tell if, you every day. Yeah, too. well, well, sometimes they don't. And, and they stuff those frustrations, particularly if you're a leader, you know. And so... Uh, yeah, just, just realizing, you know, my leadership style and the way I show up is just one way. There are other yeah. leadership styles that can be as effective, and we all need one another. You know, this is this is precisely kind of what Paul is saying in, in all of his epistles when he talks about the body of Christ and how we're all yeah. different yeah. members and and you need every part of the body in order for uh, in order for us to be a whole unit. And, and all of the parts are important. And, and, and the, these assessments are getting at similar things, but, but more from a hardwiring standpoint, not so much a spiritual gifting point of view. Yeah, yeah. No, that's really helpful. Now, I, I want to crack this next one open. And the next one is this. So I get, despite the fact that personality tests and psychometric testing can be so helpful, they can also be really um, unhelpful sometimes mm-hmm. as well. I mean, most of us have had the experience at a street level, I would imagine, of uh, people uh, getting particularly fascinated by personality tests. People get in there and they do it. And then all of a sudden, everything that you do is kind of pigeonholed into whatever the results of that test were. Right. And so it becomes this constrictive kind of, kind of box around us. Can you, can you just uh, flesh that one out for, uh, for us a little bit too? Like how, how can personality tests become an unhelpful definer of mm. our identity and kind of this sovereign voice in our lives rather than, you know, us being attuned to God and who he's made yeah. us to be? And can you j- just flesh that out for us? Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. And I often have to kind of factor that in when I'm working with people, when I use the Bertman assessment. One of the things I like about the Bertman method is it's very nuanced and complex if you will allow yeah. it to be. You know, all of yeah. these personality assessments can be used to pigeonhole other people. You know, and I've seen that done where somebody will take a personality assessment and then a boss or somebody, you know, in an organization will use that personality assessment to pigeonhole or put somebody in a box and actually use it in a negative manipulative way against them. And I I found people really nervous about taking the personality assessment because they're afraid that's what's going to happen. So there is a danger in using them that way, uh, which is not the way that they're designed to be used. You know, they're not infallible. They're not the Holy spirit. They, They simply are, gathering data based on questions that have been developed and, and tested and verified over time. Uh, but, 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 you know, you, you, you hold loosely to the results and you want to always recognize that we're much more complex than any personality assessment can ever capture. You know, I mean, the way God has made us, 
and how unique we are in terms of our own DNA. And so, uh, you know, that is a danger, using them actually as a weapon. You know, we mm-hmm. can weaponize a personality assessment and use it against somebody. Somebody can do that with us. And so yeah. you, want to, you want to understand and hold loosely to the data, but just say, what, what is this telling me about myself mm-hmm. and you? And is, does this ring true to our experience and the way that we've interacted? What can we learn from this? As Christians, how can we allow this insight into how we may be wired, lead us to greater humility and empathy and compassion for one another? You know, and then another, I think, error that often happens is people take a personality assessment and they say, okay, this is who I am. I can't change. Yeah, yeah. And so they they take, okay, this is, this is a, a view of who I am through the lens of creation, and they then dislocate that from the doctrine of sanctification Mm. and Mm. say, well, this is just who I am. I can't change. And you're just going to have to get used to it. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and so I like to think about personality, you know, there, there are certain things about us that are never going to change the the Mm. way that we're hardwired. I am always going to be more extroverted, but sanctification can come alongside of that hardwiring and it can teach me what is now known as emotional intelligence, what the Bible calls wisdom. And I can say, you know what, this personality assessment has shown that I tend in this direction and I want to be self-aware. I want to be wise about that particular strength again and realize, does this situation call for me to express that strength, or is it calling for me to dial it back and be more sensitive in the moment? Mm. Um, So one of the things that the Berkman assessment measures is, you know, are you a direct person, or are you more tactful and indirect in your interactions one-on-one with people? We've talked about this. I tend to be very direct, and there can be times when that's very, very refreshing, you know, yeah. people say, okay, you know, Tim just kind of put it out there and that's what yeah, we're dealing yeah. with. And there are other times as a husband and as a father, uh, you know, I have four kids that where my directness has actually created more problems. Yeah. And so, you know, again, I'm, I'm asking myself, okay, how does the gospel, how does an understanding of my growth and grace shape the way that I allow my personality to show up in each and every situation that I find Mm. myself. Mm. And so I I talk about how sanctification runs along the contours of our personalities, Mm. but it also sanctification also grows us in wisdom to know when a particular expression of our personality will serve another person well and when it won't. And that, that is a, that is a lifelong lesson. I'm, you know, I'm about to turn 60 in October (laughs) and I'm still in learning mode when it comes to that. Yeah. One of the things we talk about up here is the, uh, the different, you know, growth is such a significant piece Mm -hmm. and you've got, you've got the, um, you know, the immaturity and, and the growing that needs to happen in a kind of in a spiritual moral sense where sin yeah. makes us immature and childish. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. the New Testament speaks to that quite regularly. But then there's also the growth, isn't there, that, um, that Luke talks about uh, with Jesus, who was, who was the true human, mm-hmm. uh, that had grown wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. 
and so there's a there's a growth that 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 is a growth coming out of the effects of sin but then there's a growth of the person and 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 that's not necessarily a sin related thing it's it seems to be a separate creational reality where we yes. learn to to drive the uh i think C.S. lewis talks about the uh the vehicle uh, that we have to drive is our body and some people have got a wretched vehicle to drive yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and, and we learn how to do that over time don't we and i think that's that's part of what you're talking yeah. about there yeah i mean it's it's our it's our brains and our autonomic nervous systems and how they show up as they are mediated yeah. through our body in real life in relationship to other brains and other autonomic n- nervous systems that are mediated through bodies and how do we as human beings interact with one another and grow in 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 relational wisdom that's that's the mm-hmm. way i like to refer to it um yeah, and you know crazy. the the language that i use is self awareness gospel awareness other awareness um and it's, uh, I have a chapter in my latest book, Unstuck, A Nine-Step Journey to Change at Last. And chapter three, I talk about personality and emotions yeah. and, uh, and, and unpack, albeit not as much as I would have liked to, but uh, I mm. do unpack yeah. some in that chapter, uh, very much what we're talking about right now. Yeah, so. yeah, good. So let, let's, uh, let's just take another step now um, into the idea of uh, identity or the category of identity. Can, mm-hmm. you, can you just tell us uh, how does personality uh, interface with who we are, who God's made us yeah. to yeah. be, our identity? You know, Peter, this is an area where I think you've spent a lot of time uh, thinking about these things. So this, this is more of a conversation between you and me than it is sure, me, you know, sure. kind of un- unveiling the truth to everybody. But <laughs> I don't know about you. I, you know, I think about identity as being something more fundamental than personality. You know, mm-hmm. identity is where we get our sense of who we are. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's what defines us. And that ultimately as Christians is rooted in, you know, who God is. And, mm-hmm. and, and then also in terms of, uh, just the person and work of Christ, who we are in Christ, our union with Christ, that, that's much more fundamental and important. And personality is the way we show up in light of how God has, has made us as unique individuals. As I, so I don't know. How how about you? How do you think about the difference between identity and personality? I'm curious to see how you parse that. I, I like the distinction that you're drawing there between who we are and how we show up. It's 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 probably a longer answer, but one of the things that mm-hmm. um, that stirs my heart up uh, in, in a huge way is, um, you know, when when you look at creation, there's so many things in creation that don't have a functional a functional reason for why they're the way that they are. It just seems mm-hmm. to be the overflow of the glory of God, as uh, mm-hmm. Romans one talks about. Um, things are beautiful. And and they don't they don't need to be beautiful to work. They're beautiful because I think they reflect the glory of God. And when yeah. I when I look at the diversity and the variety in um, mm-hmm. people's personalities, and as you put it there, I, I really like that how they show up. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I for years, um, I, I reckon for twenty to thirty years, I I've been naturally just curious. I, I just I find people fascinating, mm-hmm. and I find all the different aspects and components of how they show up to be so yeah. to be so fascinating and in my head I've always thought that all of those 
ways that people show up and the kinds of people that uh, people are, if you could kind of put the billions together Mm -hmm. over all of human history, you're getting closer to the diversity of the, if if I can put it this way, the personality of who God is. Yeah, yeah. That that whole idea of uh, one God, three persons, that unity and diversity. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And just the glory of God. Yeah, that's a nice... I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a difference. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd say to people that um, I, I've had times, sometimes I just like to sit and have a coffee and watch the way that people interact. I, mm-hmm. I see the glory of God in it in, in all of that diversity. And there is a big difference between being a people watcher and being a stalker. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know what's interesting, though? You're, you're picking up on something. So I tend to be an extrovert. My wife is an introvert. Mm. she's wired to be more curious and inquisitive as she observes quietly other people. Mm. And, and, uh, and introverts often aren't given the credit that they are due in terms of being very, very thoughtful, wise, insightful people. You know, we, we tend to, we tend to capitulate Mm. to the extrovert because they're out there, they're making a splash, they're making lots of noise, but sometimes, and, and this is something I've had to, to grow in as someone who is more extroverted in nature is there are great things about being an extrovert, but there are really, really great things about being more introverted mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and seeing, you know, the, the blessings and benefits of both rather than just saying, again, if everybody was wired like me, what a wonderful world this would be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and this, these personality assessments, teach you to appreciate that diversity that you're you're picking up on in terms of god's glory and how that is expressed yeah 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 i I mean it stirs me up i i just think Mm -hmm. man what what must the lord be like if everything that he's created reflects his character in one way or another and he's got this amazing diversity of persons in inverted Mm -hmm. commas that he's made and the ways that they turn up it's it's a it's a a beautiful thing Uh, i love it yeah. And, you know, you think about personality in Jesus. He was probably the only person ever that had all of the the aspects of personality perfectly integrated yeah. so that when yeah. he expressed and acted or stepped back, it was always exactly what was needed for the moment. He had this yeah. just incredible wisdom that, and that wisdom is skill, that yeah. skillfulness to move into a situation and be firm and maybe more forceful and directive in certain situations and know when to step yeah. back in other situations, you yeah. know, and you just, I marvel at, at the way that he interacts with the woman at the well. Yeah. And, and uh, I'm like, you know, I, I probably wouldn't have been as, as gentle and, and I, I wouldn't lean into open-ended questions the way that he yeah, did. Yeah, you know, yeah, I would, yeah. I would want to kind of tell her and, teach but uh, you just watch how jesus shows up and you see him as they the perfect integration of all the strengths of uh, of uh, personality yeah. yeah and it's it's the uh you know connected to that i think is just the um the amazing way that he he shows up not he's not machine-like in the way that he shows up he shows up as as a rich a rich person you know, one of the things that uh, I often talk about up here is, yeah, I mean, you look at the ways that Jesus healed blind people. 
mm. and he didn't do it the same way all the time. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And there's there's a side to that where I go, well, he might have had some really good reasons for why he did it, but people, if you're a person, you're well known for not always doing things exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. You just might want to do it a different way sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And that's the beauty, I, you know, when I, when I read the Gospels, I mean, the, the person of Christ looms large and there's people all over the place that want to pigeonhole him and lock him into something. And yeah. he, he somehow eludes all of our um, yeah. straitjackets that we want to put on him, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, very true, very true. So, yeah, if we're, and, and if we're thinking about personality through the lens of the Imago Dei and, and how, yeah. that, how that really is seen in the person of Jesus, mm. um, it, it really uh, can help us embrace our humanity as we express it, but also to be more, more charitable and embracing the humanity of other people and how yeah. their personalities show up. So. Yeah, that's really helpful. Let's, uh, let's finish on this one, Tim, uh, this yeah. question. Just give us a, a few minutes uh, of your thoughts about how our our walk with God interfaces with our identity, with our personality. You know, I love what you said before about how, um, you know, just because uh, your personality test has come out a certain way doesn't mean that you can't change and you can't grow. So right. just give us a couple of your thoughts about how those uh, interface with one another, our walk with God and our identity, our personality. Yeah, you know, I, there's this uh, short paragraph in my book, Unstuck, on page 43. I'll just read it because I think it captures, sure. you know, you, that that the answer to that question. I'm talking about personality emotions, and uh, I under, I say this. It's crucial to understand that there is a difference between your personality and your character. So yeah. that's that's the distinction I'm making. So if a personality isn't bridled by the gospel, then guess what? There are going to be character issues hmm. that are that are at play. So there's a difference between your personality and your character. Your character changes through the ongoing process of sanctification or your identity in Christ. Hmm. So your identity in Christ is shaping your character. Um, hmm. Your personality is the lens through which your character is expressed. So the aim is to use your personality to increasingly express and reflect Christ-like character. Exactly how this looks will vary from person to person depending on their personality, but this is something we do. We do need to think wisely about. As you seek to grow in character, it helps to first understand your personality. Hmm. So there's that personality character. Character is tied to identity. And we're back, yep. we're back, you know, at, at square one talking about the gospel and our need for God's grace mm-hmm. and uh, for us to be experiencing his mercy, his embrace, his kindness, because that's the only thing that's going to develop in us Christ-like character, which will then bridle our personality so that we can more and more image Jesus in the way that we're interacting you know, yeah. in our world, in our relationships with our wives and our husbands and our kids, church members, our neighbors. Yeah, that's really helpful. We, um, we use this phrase uh, quite a bit, uh, certainly part of um, uh, our restoration group's kind of uh, mm-hmm. terminology. And it, it originally came from Eugene Peterson. Eugene Peterson, mm-hmm. uh, reading this uh, article of his where he talks about 
talked about living into God's story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've kind of snaked the living into bit. And, um, mm-hmm. and, and we often talk about living into the person that God's made us to be. Mm-hmm. That's a great, great opportunity that we have that, um, you know, as we are in union and communion with Christ, mm-hmm. we, we become more truly the person God made us to be. We become our true selves. Yeah, and I, I like that. I like that living into and that story. It, it's it's like you're walking down a path, and yeah. uh, it's this you know uh, progressive growth and 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 humility and wisdom that's happening. And uh, I tell you, you know, it, it 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 at my age, I'm still so desperately yeah. in need of his rescue and his patience with me because I just got a lot of, lot of room to grow and, uh, you know, and and I'm not going to be a finished product ever until I die or Jesus returns, you know? Yeah. Well, that's Philippians one six, isn't it? You know, uh, he began a good work and you will carry it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So it's, um, you know, so, so important that we just get in our heads that growth is not just a, a child or a teenager thing. It's a, it's an all-of-life thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and just just to embrace it. I mean, to some people, to hear a guy who's almost 60 talk about all the areas he needs to grow could be a little bit depressing for some people. <laughs> but um, the growth that God brings is so good, isn't it? And it's yeah. so life-giving and it's so rich. And I mean, all of us push back against it or we don't want it sometimes. But the, the truth is that when, you, when it happens, I don't know that I've ever had a time where I've grown where after it, I've just regretted growing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, you know, and, and, and that's paired with, and you and I have talked, you know, mm. it, it usually happens through seasons of suffering. Yeah. And some of that suffering is in the context of relationships with other people. And, yeah. and, you know, just that, boy, it's hard to just step back and get perspective and say, what, what is God wanting me to, to yeah. learn about myself and, and how can this, this interpersonal conflict and struggle be used in my life so that I can be a greater blessing to other people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. if, if you're in ministry, you're working with people, you're in any kind of leadership role, boy, you're just gonna, you're going to experience that painful process of, of yeah. interpersonal conflict. But that's often the place where, if I, you know, and sometimes it takes me a little while to step back and say, okay, let me, let me be honest about what just went mm-hmm. down. Even if I may say, hey, they, they really sinned against me. Even mm-hmm. in that situation, what have I got to learn? What, yeah. what do I need to take yeah. away from this in terms of my own need for growth and grace? You know, and uh, boy, that, that's where it happens. So I, I never like it. Oh. But you're right. You know, in, in one sense, I, I never regret it. And I, I feel like I have become much more useful to people if I have been able to grow in wisdom and listen and learn in those seasons. Sometimes it takes years from what you've been through to step back and yeah, look and say true. with honesty, you know, I can see how I I may have contributed to that fiasco (laughs) and 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 what what do i need to learn from that and how can i help others you know Mm. so Mm. yeah it's great i I mean i'm totally with you 
Yeah. Um, the, the process can be, can often be very painful. Yeah. It, it's a first uh, Peter one kind of, we're in the furnace, right. And we're being uh, refined. That refining yeah. process is not one that is oftentimes enjoyable. No, I remember as a young guy, uh, having this sense from the Lord where he was saying to me, do you want to learn the easy way or the hard way? Yeah. You know, because I've been trying to tell you some of this stuff, <laughs> but if you if you don't learn the easy way, I love you so much that yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna humble you, and it's gonna yeah. be hard for you. And ever since then, um, and I'm not saying that I always have learned the easy way. Ever since then, I've I've, I've prayed, Lord, help me to learn the easy way. Yeah. I don't want you to have to break me down um, because I'm I'm stubborn and not wanting to learn and grow, but. Having said that, you know, has there been lots and lots of times, have there been lots and lots of times where God's work has been brought about through painful means? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. So listen, Tim, at the end of uh, Restore Ministries podcast, we uh, normally ask a person we're having a conversation with to uh, share a scripture. Have you got one that you uh, would like to share with us and maybe just uh, key us in for uh, 20 or 30 seconds as to why this one's relevant and then wrote it for us? It'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, so many passages, but one that one that's become more prominent in my thinking, particularly as I've just thought about growth and grace, is uh, Titus two eleven through fourteen, and it uh, just captures the the all encompassing scope of the gospel. Um, and uh, Paul says this to Titus: He says, "For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people." There's that past grace. The grace of God in mm-hmm. Jesus has appeared. That's the incarnation. That's the life, death, and resurrection. Then verse 12, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So there's that mm-hmm. present grace that we're experiencing. But then he goes on to this future grace, waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of one, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. I love that language. And then it says, who are zealous for good works. The NIV says, who are eager to do good. Mm-hmm. And that eagerness just growing out of that experience of past grace, present grace, the hope for future grace, and this deep joy and gratitude that makes us eager to want to please God. And I just, I need more of that in my life. You know, sometimes I can get into a rut and, uh, and lose that, that sense of gratitude for God's grace. And so Titus 2, 11 through 14, just regularly kind of brings me back in a very succinct way to, you know, what's ultimately central and, and just the, the utter scope of of God's grace and love for me in Christ. That's a great thought, uh, a great scripture for us to uh, to finish on today. So thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. Great to have your thoughts on personality and identity. And um, yeah. well, I'm I'm sure that we'll be talking again soon. Well, always good to interact with you, Peter, and uh, have always enjoyed and appreciated our friendship, even though we're mm. continents apart. You know. <laughs> so. Yeah, I've got another. Uh, Another uh, good friend in uh, America too, and uh, I would say to you what I said to him the other day, we should be in the same country again someday. It'll be great. We will be. (laughs) (laughs) We will be, good point. I'd I'd love to come back to Australia, so. Thanks, mate. I appreciate it. Good visiting with you. Thank you for listening to the Restore Ministries Australia podcast. If today's episode was a blessing to you and you would like to support our ministry, 
please visit www.restoreministries.com.au forward slash donate. Every generous donation is used to further equip and serve the broader church and see people restored to true humanity. Or if you'd like to access further articles, videos and resources, please visit our website, restoreministries.com.au and head to our resources page. Restore Ministries Australia, a catalyst for Christ-centred change.